Today's episode of the Dirty Sports Podcast is brought to you by Chill Boys, the official underwear sponsor of our show. Guys, Chill Boys is the perfect Christmas gift. Who doesn't like a fresh, soft pair of underwear? They have many options. The bamboo boxers, the performance boxers, the boxer briefs. It's time to upgrade your undies, fellas. Use discount DIRTY20 at chillboys.com to save 20% on your first order. That's DIRTY20 to save 20% off at chillboys.com. I'm wearing my Chill Boys right now, Joe Prano, and my boys are feeling quite chill and nice and roomy and spacious, and I got that nice, soft touch. I mean, that bamboo. That bamboo, it's so soft. So why, have, why haven't we been using this bamboo for years? It just grows like a weed. Let's cut down this bamboo and make more underwear. It's so darn comfortable. That's right. Let's take it away from the pandas and put more into underwear. So once again, get 20% off. It's a great Christmas gift at chillboys.com. That's promo code DIRTY20 at chillboys.com. All right, guys, let's start the show. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther, coming to you live from the Smut Studio in Venice Beach, California, with my co-host, Joseph. No chill, Prano. Hello, Andrew. Hitting you with the full name today. Yeah. We got a little black and red thing going on here. You got your... uh... Your Reds hat and your dirty sports shirt. I I just happened to put on a black and red flannel. We're like we're like teamed up today. You got, got a, our uniform on. You got to button the flannel all the way to the top. Yo, fool! Last game in Oakland, fool. Bro, savages! Did you watch any of that footage? They're like yo, we keep it classy, bro. Button your shirt all the way up if you're going to throw shit on the field and stab somebody to death on the way out of the last game. If you're going to kill somebody. Kill them with class, son. Your open shirt? What is this? What are you at? Sleepaway camp, bro? Wild, dude. Wild. Yeah, did, I mean. Did you watch any of the videos? I did, yeah. I actually had some friends that were there at that game. Um, I mean, it's it's sort of a fitting end to the Raiders in Oakland. They blow a, They blow a terrible... Like they blow a huge lead basically at the end. Then they the the team fucking the the fans freak out at the team who are like coming over to salute them. They're booing them. They're throwing shit on the field. I can't believe they're leaving Oakland. They booed Derek Carr. Yeah. Now I was confused. I was watching the chants. We want Gruden. To me, it was almost like to we want kill his head. him. Yeah, 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 to, yeah. To kill him. Yeah, it was like out like with pitchforks outside his home, like Gruden. Gruden, he finally comes out. But like that—that's the thing about sort of Raiders fans—is like half of those people were probably chanting for his head. Half of those people were probably chanting for him. Like they don't know what they want. They're just angry and they're miserable. 
And and it's like there was what what would you say ten thousand, eight thousand of them like still there in that area. Like they couldn't get in the league, really causing mayhem. Yeah, there's a lot of videos out there. So the game ends and the Raiders fans don't leave, and it really is a fitting end. They're up sixteen to three with seven. They blew a sixteen to three lead with seven and a half minutes to go in the game. Yeah, and they held the the entire game. Like there, it was like you said, three points through three and a half quarters for the Jags. They just like totally, I mean, prevent you from winning is the old saying, right? Like just keep playing the game that you're playing. Yeah. The idea of like, well, we've got a two touchdown lead. So, you know, let them move the ball, let them run clock, but it's like, or just keep playing defense and keep running the ball. And they got super conservative on offense when they came down their last drive. And then obviously missed a field goal, uh, for a chance to go, you know, put it up. I mean, they ended up losing by four points anyway, but uh, yeah, it was just a wild well, end in Oakland. Well, we missed a lot of this because we were at the Venice Beach courts for a minute. Yeah. When this was all going on. Yeah, I, I watched, I was watching on my phone right up until the, the Jags final drive, but we went to, we met out at the courts because we got a, a bat signal from former guests of the show and uh, professional soccer correspondent and amateur correspondent for that matter, Michael Majid, who said Steve Nash is playing box soccer uh, down in the Venice Beach basketball courts. He's like, get out here. He's here right now. So we went out and we saw Nash was playing. I put out a video on Instagram and Twitter. He's playing what they call street soccer. Yeah. And he was in a league with a bunch of former Team USA guys like Alexi Lawless and uh, was his name Kobe Jones? If you say so. So he was playing. I think Pele was out there. No, I don't think he was. No, I think it's okay. France Pele. Sure, Pele. You tried to sound all fucking French. I think it was Pele. Pele. But yeah, Na- dude, Nash's footwork, man. Were you watching him? Yeah, I mean, the, all those dudes were pretty good at soccer and in such a small space. It was pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, being a former two-time NBA MVP, pretty. Pretty dope that he's that good at something else as well. So we scope the scene. You know me. I'm trying to work my way in. Maybe grab Nash. Be like, yo, Smut Studio, now. Grab Nash, kidnap him, tie him to this couch, make him do an impromptu podcast. But we didn't see him after his game. He probably took off. There was a big bum rush on the court. Everybody was taking pictures. But he's down here a lot. And I know Joe talked about this like a month or two ago. Guys, we want to get Nash. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I would love to have Steve Nash on the show and talk to him about Mike D'Antoni and talk to him about his two MVPs and talk to him about that. You know, basically being one of the truly, I mean, key members for him and D'Antoni together, changing yeah. the course of the NBA in some regard, and especially how offense is played. And talk to him about fucking soccer, and talk to him about uh, you know being from Canada, and talk to him about Santa Clara, and talk to him about playing against Lachlan Patterson in high school, and uh, talk to him about all kinds of things. But he's always here in Venice, so tweet at Steve Nash, Instagram at Steve Nash. Tell him, dude, you're always in Venice. Yeah. Stop by the Smut Studio. He's always here. But we got him this time. Yeah. I talked to him about uh, talk to him about the time I saw him at. Uh, Clearly stoned out of his mind at a Pineapple Express showing at Union Square Theater in New York. I used to skateboard around the village all the time. He's a pretty cool guy, huh? Yeah, man. 
He's taller than seeing him in person. He's taller than I thought. Yeah. Was he six two? No, I think he's like six four. I think he's like my height. I was gonna say I was watching him on the courts. Yeah. And then I was curious because just so everybody knows, so it's they have the basketball courts in the back of that. They have the the handball courts. Yeah. And they were playing soccer against one of the walls of that. I was wondering, is he gonna go straight from soccer to start hooping up on these guys on the courts? Yeah. But he did not. No. Unless he was out there before. Yeah. That would yeah. that would have been a pretty boss move. Would have been pretty cool. But Wooker, look, it all—it's all just moving in a little. You guys, you guys got like Joe's saying. Tweet at Nash at Steve Nash. Yeah. Let, let him know he's got to come down to uh, the Smut Studio, and hopefully we can make it happen. But I was disappointed that we missed the end of that Raiders game. Yeah. Just to see the epic finale. And, you know, are things going to be any better? I posted that funny clip that Dion said about you don't want your family members going to games in Oakland because they might get shanked. But I feel like it's not about Oakland. It's about Raiders fans. I agree. Like, it, you know, Raiders fans, I'm sure, in L.A. were just as crazy when they were here. Yeah. And, again, we've talked about it before, the caravan of people that go from, like, the Inland Empire up to Oakland every weekend. Like, yo, fool. Don't fuck with us. We'll stab you, bro. Leave you in the desert on the way home. Like, now they're just going to have Vegas to go to. Obviously, it'll probably get more expensive, you know, than the than the Oakland mausoleum. Uh, but I, I feel like the thing about Raiders fans is that they're, they're just hella crazy. Like, I feel like you could put the Raiders on Mars, and those fans are still showing up. Yeah, they're, they have taco trucks and taco stands outside on Mars. They'd somehow yeah. make it yeah. work. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I want to go to a game, though. Like, seriously, I would love to go to one Raiders game a year in Las Vegas. Bro, I was pushing for our Raiders season tickets. How are you feeling about the Chargers situation? As far as? Season tickets. I don't know. It's just like, uh, what am I excited about for the Chargers? They're, they're, they're like LA's second team. I'll be honest. I'm I'm near 100% in. I'm even, I'm even willing to... I had a nice conversation with my Chargers guy on Friday, and he said he was going to call me back again today. But you I, didn't end up going to the viewing party. Well, my buddy was in town. Right. I would have if my buddy wasn't in town. I'm willing to probably even put down the licensing fee for two or three tickets to start and then figure out the situation then. This is my pitch to them. Why, look, nobody in L.A. wants the Chargers. They're kind of like the dog who's at the shelter and everybody's ignoring, right? That's the Chargers. Here's my pitch. The Dirty Sports Podcast adopts them. We're going to be a rescue NFL team. But now, do you abandon the Rams and become a Chargers fan? This is what I want to do. I want to... They, they need all the help they can get. I'm just being 100% honest right now. I think we somehow try to get in go with the Chargers and say, hey, can we have access to players? Can we have access to team functions? Uh, no, you cannot. <laughs> Don't say no. Okay. Don't. I just know, I just know the NFL. I'm like I don't think the NFL is letting the fucking Stash brothers into the locker room for the players. I disagree, man. I disagree. I think, I think, I I think that they really need a push. So it's not even about abandoning the Rams. It's about here's a franchise that obviously has cheaper season tickets. They need fans. We have our buddy Sean Merriman, who's been great on this show. I'm just saying, I think we adopt the Chargers. They're like our rescue dog. And you don't have to go to that many games. And I'm not saying I'm going to eight Chargers home games myself. Right. 
I'm also intrigued by a $6 billion stadium. Sure. Like, just to go for That's the same stadium that your current football team is going to play in. Tickets are... I like you've already been in the Rams. I mean... Jared Goff, die. Let's just go, let's just go there. Did you see how he opened that game yesterday? Yeah. Those first three passes. Atrocious. Yeah. Goff has regressed. Uh you know, the 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 basically the situation is in, in LA and this it, it's not just this year. The end of last year, I mean, obviously they made the Super Bowl, but six points in the Super Bowl. And you're three. Three, yeah, whatever the fuck it was, they they didn't score a touchdown. But I believe the final score was thirteen to three. Was it thirteen six? Doesn't matter. Anyway, point is, they the offense did not play well, and a, like I think teams have learned. And this is my criticism of of Goff last week, and comparing him to certain other players. I think teams have learned don't show what you're doing, as they approach the line, like. If you can wait until they, the, you know, that helmet's off, or if you can disguise what you're doing at all, you're you can you can take away a lot of what the Rams do. I and I think that that what McVeigh, the chess match that McVeigh was playing originally was he was sort of ahead of the game. It's like when a when a baseball player comes in a league and no one has a book on him. He was just they, remember they I I brought it up a couple years ago when we were at the game. I think it was McVay's first year. They were running to the line, running out of the huddle to the line and just getting the snap ball because they were like, we are confident in what we are going to do. We don't give a shit what you're going to do. We're going to run our play regardless of how you're set up. If you come 11 guys across the line and we have a run called, we're going to run the ball anyway. We're confident in what we're going to do. And now as the book on McVay is out there a little bit and defenses started adjusting for what how they're going to approach play calling, their offense has fallen apart. I mean, their offense was, you know, borderline record-breaking the last couple of years. And I know the run game isn't where it used to be, but even yesterday, the opening sequence of that game, guys are open. Even even they had that on that third play, they end up getting a first down because it was a penalty on the yeah. Cowboys. But even Troy Aikman said that. He goes, dude, Cup is open. You just missed him. Instead of a five-yard advance because of a penalty, you could have had a 15- or 20-yard play hitting Cooper Cup. He just he misses guys a lot. Yeah. He misses guys a lot, and I've just, like, I can count on one hand the amount of times I've, three, I've seen Jared Goff throw a guy open or – Put drop a pass in where in a, in a place where only his receiver can get it. It's sort of a dangerous play. He just doesn't even attempt those plays. And if you're not going to hit every single open one that you have, and you're not going to attempt, you're not going to be a guy who throws into coverage. It's going to get pretty difficult. And he just has not shown improvement. And again, I think that's a little bit on people figuring out McVeigh a little bit. But also as a coach, your job can't be you can't. You can't be held to the standard of you always have to be at this genius level that's ahead of everybody that you're playing against so that your quarterback can complete passes and your offense can move the ball. Like sometimes you're just going to have to have a matchup where you're like, hey, they know what we're doing and we know what they're doing and uh, we got we to gotta outplay them. Yeah. I know. I mean, the Cowboys destroyed them. Yeah. And the Cowboys, I repeat, 
are not good. I don't know what to think of the Cowboys. I think if they played like they did yesterday, it's not like the Rams are trash. The Rams came into that game at 8-5. and five. Right. But who are the Cowboys beating that are currently in the NFC playoffs? I could see them beating anybody if they played the way they should. What you can you yes. can see them beating the Saints? You can see them beating yes. the Niners. Yes. If, in in what world has have they ever showed that they can beat a team of that quality? The the Saints dominated them earlier this year. I know the the Niners the Niners defensive line will fucking just. I don't think Dak Prescott will complete fucking twelve passes against the 49ers. On 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 the road, nonetheless. I don't know. I'm telling you. I think the Cowboys. I don't know. Something about them. If they play how I believe they should. If if they play how they've played against horrific teams. If they light up the. If they play against the Niners the way that they've played against the Dolphins and the Redskins and the. I don't know. I I, I still. I'm still not shocked if the Cowboys surprise some people. I wouldn't be. I won't be shocked if the Cowboys don't make the playoffs. Or maybe that. I don't know what to expect of the Cowboys at this point. I mean, they are an enigma, dude. I mean, you, you we can say what we want, but going into yesterday's game, they led the NFL in offensive yards. And they were top 10 in defense. But they went into that game at 6-7. and seven. That is an enigma. That is, that is a, that's, when, when do you see a top 10 but defense? That, but that's been happening across the NFL this year where teams are beating horrible. Like There's a big discrepancy between the good teams in football and the bad teams in football. And there's a lot of bad teams. And I think that the Cowboys are in that middle level where they're beating all the bad teams and they're losing to all the good teams. Because... They're just, I mean, what's their signature win this year? It would be the Rams game. I'm not saying that they have signature wins. I just, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Tug likes to come on the show and call teams paper tigers. I, they, they're, the Cowboys are a wet toilet paper tiger. Like they, I, like, they won't hold up. You're shitting on your hands if you use the Dallas Cowboys. Dude, I wouldn't be surprised. This is what's so interesting. I would be I would I would be in a coma with surprise if they beat any of the team the class teams of the NFC. But I see holes in every single one of those teams. Saints to me are probably the most complete. I I see holes in all those teams. The Niners lay an egg yesterday. Like Yeah, I, the Niners have a huge 48-45 or whatever the fuck it is win, 45-43 win against the Saints in the dome. Then they have a huge game against the Seahawks coming up to essentially decide the division and possibly home field advantage. Like, it's the definition of a trap game. I agree. That doesn't, to me, you lose a trap game, it doesn't prove to me, oh, you're not the team we thought you were. I don't know. Because if it was, I mean, don't forget, the Cowboys lost to the fucking Jets. I know, I know. Look, I get it. It's the NFL. It's any given Sunday. I'm just saying, I, I can see any of those teams Losing wouldn't surprise me. Any of them in the playoffs. Like, no upsets. This is one of the few years where I wouldn't be shocked if the Niners went down early. Or, of course, the Seahawks. The Seahawks defense, suspect. The Niners. 
struggled again offensively yesterday. You know, maybe that's some of the— I'm not even the biggest Seahawks fan, as you know, but, like, the the Dallas Cowboys have 0% chance of beating the Seahawks. I disagree. I think the Cowboys do have a chance to beat anybody. I just don't know what Cowboys team you're watching. I'm watching a team like yesterday where they should be playing that way and they don't, but— If they, they don't have a coaching advantage, they don't have a defense advantage, they don't have a quarterback advantage against basically any team in the in the NFC playoffs. You don't think Dak has an advantage over Garoppolo? I mean, honestly, or Cousins? Honestly, no. First of all, I think Dak Prescott is Black Cousins. I think he's Black Kirk Cousins. I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, the way Cousins is playing this year, like the the knock on Cousins is that you almost can't trust him in a big game at this point in a play. But like, he's outplaying Dak for sure so far this year. And that, Lord knows, I am not a Kirk Cousins fan. I'm not big on the Packers right now. That's the team I'm not big on at all. I I just you talk about a team who's barely getting by every week. I'm with Tony Gonzalez, who said on uh, who said on TV yesterday, it's like there's something to getting by every week and being, you know, having home field advantage and having a Hall of Fame quarterback and arguably still the best quarterback in the league and getting hot at the right time, which he was like the Packers have been known to do at the end of the year. I don't like what the Packers are doing in terms of they just don't seem to have the an explosive offense. They've gone more to the running the ball than they have in years, but at the same time, look what happens. They're running the ball more than they have in years. They're taking the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands a little bit more. They're winning more games than they have in a long time. And it's not like I'm looking at that Packers team going like, oh, man, if they have to turn over the ball to Rodgers in the playoff game, if they're down a couple points or if they need to get into a shootout, I'm super worried about Aaron Rodgers. But they don't have the explosive offense. Obviously, they have a much better defense. Who's the Packers' big signature win? They have beat the Vikings at home. They beat the Cowboys in Dallas. Are those their two best wins? I don't know. I mean, we'll have to have a look. But, I mean, they're they're 11-3 and three at this point, right? Yeah. So, they've beaten, you know. But, but, again, this is my point. There are a lot of good teams. But, to me... There's only one team in the NFL that is just blowing people out. That's, sure. That's the Ravens. Yeah, absolutely. The Ravens are the only team that is up here, and then everyone's kind of below them. Everyone on a week-to-week, you're like, okay, you kind of look suspect. I mean, the Packers beat the Chiefs on the road. Was that early? It was week, you know, eight. Also, Patrick Mahomes wasn't playing. Right. And that was a, that was a good game. Right? Didn't that come down to a field goal at the end? But there's something to a Packers team that is has lost what to Philly at home. That they lost a- to the Chargers on the road. Yeah. They lost to they got destroyed by the Niners. And they lost to the Eagles. Really early in the season. That was like week whatever. Thursday night game. Yeah. I, I just I think a lot of teams 
By are, the way, I'm not on the Packers to go to the Super Bowl, even though I picked them to go to the Super Bowl to start the season. But I like their chances. I like their chances of beating any team in the NFC more than I like the Cowboys' chances of beating any team in the NFC. But that's you. You you keep harping on the Cowboys. My point is, I think anybody can beat. Any, like, my point is, it's a little different in the AFC. The NFC, I look at like, okay, there's a lot of quality teams. I wouldn't. Yeah, there's a lot of quality teams. Anything can happen. Also, the NFC East isn't winning a playoff game. See, I don't know if I'm ready to say that. I don't think the Eagles would win a playoff game. I think the Cowboys could win a playoff game. So, so let's just play a hypothetical right now. The the Cowboys are a four seed. They would get mm-hmm. the four seed. Yep. They would either have to play the Ram. I'm sorry, not the Rams. The Seahawks or the 49ers in Dallas. Yeah. You don't give the Cowboys any chance. Zero chance of beating either of those teams. Really? Yeah. That's surprising. Because, well, first of all, look at what the Seahawks have done on the road this year. And, and by the way, I didn't give the Cowboys, I didn't give the Seahawks a chance to beat the Cowboys last year in a playoff game. Remember how hard I was on the Seahawks aren't going to win a playoff game this year? I, I, I don't give the Cowboys a chance with it. And I don't like the way the 49ers played in the dome. I, I think I would, I'd tease that up to, uh, you know, a 21 point 49ers game. Interesting. It's a tough, you know who it's going to be a tough draw for is the number one seed. Because they're, let's say it's the Saints. Because it's looking like, I mean, who knows what can happen. If it's the Saints, they're looking at a second round matchup with somebody like the 49ers. Yeah. That's a tough. No, look, the NFC is going to be stacked. Stacked. Yeah. AFC, not so much. Right. I like what KC's doing now, right now, though. Yeah, you should. That's another one. It's 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 a similar situation. Like, oh, the defense isn't that great, blah blah blah. But like, I'm changing the, the, my opinion. Okay, because I I said no chance to make the Super Bowl. Sorry, Kansas City fans. I'm I'm starting to change my opinion on that. I I said that a few weeks ago. It's a like- very very similar feeling that I have. Again, those are my two Super Bowl picks preseason. Uh, is the Chiefs and the Packers is like, I just when when you have quarterback play to that level of those two teams, that's when I'm like, you could beat anybody. I mean, Mahomes and Rodgers, it's like they're in a class all their own in a, in a way. I mean, I know Lamar Jackson is going to be the MVP and has more touchdown passes than anybody, and it's rushing, and and that's fine. But like, just the pedigree of those guys, th- but- those those are teams I think. I know. Could beat I, anybody. I, I think a lot. I, you're going to hate this. I, I think Rodgers is starting to decline. And I think we're seeing it this year. And not enough people are talking about it. His, his numbers across the board are down. Obviously, they're running the ball more. Right. But I don't know. And man. winning more games. And you don't want the league's leader in passing, as I've said. I, don't, I didn't say you want him to be the league leader. I just think it's been an interesting year. You've you've seen weaknesses, in my opinion, in Aaron Rodgers, in Tom Brady, the quote unquote guys who everyone said is are the best quarterbacks. You've seen a lot of that. I mean, Tom Brady's completion percentage is down to sixty percent on the season. Yeah. yeah. 
Tom, is, but Tom Brady, Tom Brady's also like, for, you know, you forget Tom Brady's significantly older than Aaron Rodgers. What Aaron Rodgers is what thirty six, thirty seven. Brady's forty three. Brady's forty three. Brady's been playing the whole time. Rodgers obviously started later. But like again, the, it's the the wall that every athlete in history hits around forty. Yeah. It's not that like I'm sick of hearing that Tom Brady has some fucking super juice. It's like Tom Brady never hit that wall because Tom Brady was epically protected forever. And in a trash division, it's like, oh, Buffalo is sort of wily this year and they have a good defense and the Jets are good at stopping the run and like getting pressure and blah, and suddenly Brady's like, oh, Brady looks a little suspect. It's like how many years did he just get six Free games. Well, we got to get to the leaked video from Fox, which showed the Patriots videotape of the Bengals sideline. Before we do that, if you are a Patriots fan and you want to help your team out, Joe, and you want to go to opposing ballparks and film their sideline. Yeah, I mean... That is the new model these days, right? Yeah. Why pay a company? To, like, why not crowdsource? You yourself can go and film the Bengal sideline with your phone and just send it directly to Bill at Patriots.com. Yeah. How would you do that? And how would you get close enough to the Bengal sideline to get that video? I would hop on SeatGeek. Yep. I would go. Let's say I wanted to go see the Bengals play at Paul Brown Stadium. I, I would, would go. I'd look SeatGeek's so great. They show you a picture of the field. You could see how close you are to an yeah. opposing team sideline. Exactly. They have an interactive map to show you how close you are to the it's players. It's an obstructed view. Is it not an obstructed view? That's why SeatGeek is the best. Yeah, exactly. And even better, if you want to save money while you help your team cheat, SeatGeek will give you $10 off on your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. So download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code DIRTY. That's D-I-R-T-Y for $10 off on your first purchase. That's promo code DIRTY for $10 off on your first purchase. And if you use SeatGeek for any event, not just sports, it's available for theater, Broadway, musicals, music festivals, concerts, send me a screenshot and I will send you two koozies in the mail. So yesterday on the Fox pre-show, Jay Glazer obtained the video of the Cincinnati Bengals security questioning so the video if you watch it is a monitor set up at the field set up at the stadium where they are reviewing it's footage of footage yes basically where they are reviewing the footage that this independent contractor that's working on a internal video for the Patriots website that no one's ever going to watch called Do Your Job, an 11 season. By the way, for anybody who's not listening or who's not watching on YouTube, Joe keeps doing air quotes. The whole thing is air quotes. Just just assume that for the rest of the story, every time I talk about anything the Patriots doing, that there's air quotes involved. So filming for Do Your Job, they're reviewing it, and the Bengals security is talking to the guy. And the guy, I swear to God, you can watch this. The guy is doing an impression of me doing an impression of dumb Patriots employee from last episode. It's it's wild. And I didn't I missed it during the day. I didn't see it till last night. 
It's literally what Prano did last episode, mocking. It's like, well, just throw it in the furnace. <laughs> like the guy, the guy all but says, "Why don't we just throw this footage in the furnace? Once it's in the furnace, nothing can happen." Well, let, let me. We can't review this. I don't know how technology works, but I know if we throw this camera in the furnace, no one can see it. Let me play some of it. Let, let me play some of the audio uh, from it. And I don't know if this will help, but this kind of gives some sort of indication of what's going on here with um, the Patriots playing dumb. Because that's basically what it is. And, and again, to reiterate, guys, this was one of the things that was discovered in 2007 when they got caught was one of the alibis is to basically play dumb. Yeah. And that's what this guy does. So, so let's see if we can play this and, and hear how it sounds there with the Bengals and that Patriots employer. And I want to show right now we have exclusive footage of this confrontation. And you see right here the Bengals, their security guys, actually filming what the Patriots are filming. And that was their sideline, their substitution. There's actually eight minutes of this on the tape. But this is where things take a turn for the Patriots. And this is a piece you're filming on your advanced scout? Yeah. Yeah. Come yeah. On, guys. He laughed. I don't see the advanced scout in this footage. No, it's not. We were trying to get some field perspective. My bad. That's not the field. That's why you would think you could take that. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. But I can delete this right here for you. Damage is done, my friend. No, it isn't. Because we deleted. No, it isn't. Once again, it's deleted. Twenty-two yards on the punt. Twenty-nine yards on the punt. I can't do that. Twenty-nine yards. There's no way I can get that footage back. I'm being honest with you. And I don't have a computer like to even put it that way. Once this card. Now it's probably not that the best. Like I said, it's better to watch online because they have they have a caption with it. Yeah, which makes it, it. But it's unbelievable that this guy, like this, is a guy getting caught doing a crime out in the world who's like just going like, "What if I just stop doing the crime right now?" This is a guy who's getting like caught like fucking a goat, and he's like, "Look, I just let the goat walk back on the farm. No big deal." His asshole's fine. My, I wipe off my dick. This never happened. And you're like, bro, you're fucking farm animals. What are you talking about? He's like, no one needs to know about it. Like, why? How dumb do you have to be? And the Bengals security said exactly. It's the guy getting pulled over for DUI. He's like, look, I'll just leave my car right here. I'll walk home. It's fine. They're like, dude, you already drove drunk. And the Bengals security guy is saying exactly what we said. He's saying to him, that's our sideline. There's no scouts there. Yeah. Why are you filming our sideline? I'll be honest. I thought the Bengals security guy handled it pretty well. By laughing in the guy's face? Yeah, I agree. The whole situation. Again, go to Fox Sports. You should really watch it with the caption. It's mind-blowing. And it's also mind-blowing. Then you hear like Jerry... Or... uh, Jimmy Johnson and Terry Bradshaw and Howie Long. Yeah, they're like defending it. Michael Strahan was the only rational person there saying, guys. Well, he has pedigree. What are we talking about here? Yeah. Like, you, if you, if you watch that video, 
You cannot defend this. You just can't. And and it's funny. Uh, I I've mentioned this before. Uh, Bill Simmons, world's biggest Patriots slurper and defender, who has literally cried real tears about like we didn't fucking deflate anything. Uh, he went to the same high school I did, and I have I have one friend who hate listens to Simmons. I actually like Simmons. I mean, besides being, you know, just the the most egregious Boston slurper of all time. I'm actually a Simmons fan, but my buddy like hate listens. I don't listen that often, but he called me this morning. He texted me this morning. He's like, dude, you have to listen to Simmons today. He owns it. And I did. And I fast forwarded to it. He was like, this is bad. This makes us look really bad. This is bad. Like there's no excuse for it. So this is what I have to say to all Patriots defenders out there that are listening to the show. The biggest Patriots slurper, the most egregious Boston defender has given up and said, this is bad. We are clearly cheating. If you're still defending this, I, I, I would say, normally I would say, because I like to hear the angle that crazy lunatics are coming from. Normally I would say, I would love to hear your explanation. Why I would not please do not argue that they are not doing anything wrong here. Unless you want to get blocked. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're my brother. I don't care if you're my mother. I don't care if you're a friend of the show. I don't care if you're a long time. If you cannot admit that this is really bad and they are clearly trying to cheat, I will block you forever. Because that's it. That's it. They got caught cheating again. And here's the thing. It kind of proves that they've been cheating this whole fucking time. Yeah, that's that. That's the thing that's very alarming. So, like, uh, you know, everybody always goes, oh, the Patriots, like, they have this asterisk from pre, and then they have this asterisk from, like, it's like, no, the whole thing is an asterisk. Put an asterisk next to every single regular season win that they've had in the Belichick era. All of them. How how can you argue that they're not? And and like you said, Michael Strahan, the only competent one there. He's like, this is a new coach. This is a new system. They're getting tape on Zach Taylor. Yeah, that's exactly what Strahan said. When Brady falls off entirely and the Patriots, blah, 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 and two years from now the Bengals are on the come up, they're going to be like, we have their singles. When they get Burrow and they like they, they, Bill Belichick is playing the long game, and he has, and that's the thing. This sort of proves he has been the entire time, because he didn't even stop doing. He's a serial rapist. This is a guy who went to jail for rape, got out, and they're like, well, it's like this is why they have fucking sexual predator lists where you have to go door to door and say I've done it because. He's addicted to it. And honestly, the but, 500, you know, the but, I think whoever it was, Howie Long in that clip who says, how after paying 500 grand, because think about how much money on top of that 500 grand that he lost, he's made from winning and winning and yeah. winning. Well, I'm not even putting this all directly on Bill Belichick. To me, this is how I view it. This is an organizational problem so to me this isn't just bill this is coming from but other- I, I gotta argue your own point here because you were the one that put fucking shower rapes on joe paterno 
You're like, he's the head coach. He should know everything. He should know who's doing the thing. That guy wasn't even an employee of the team then. We're talking about the coach and the GM who has set a standard of doing this. This is his. This is from his playbook. But hold on. My, what I was going to say is he's, of course, part of it. You are. There is certain responsibility as the coach. But I'm saying this to me at this point, this has kind of even changed my mindset since last episode. Watching this video was pretty eye-opening for me because it literally, again, is spot on of Joe doing an impersonation of a do-your-job guy. I mean, it's, it's wild to watch this and think, how long has this been going on? And again, I liked your point last episode, which is pretty smart, of you think everybody's going to say we're not going to do it again, but that's also the play of if you keep doing it again, they're not going to think you do it again. Right. It's this weird reverse psychology that applies here. And for someone who looks at conspiracy theories, and I wouldn't even call this a conspiracy theory, for someone who looks at what I always call what's really going on here, guys, it's really tough to watch this. That's what's even more alarming is that... But the, and, and, but the, the, even just the concept of you, they've done it before, so they would never do it. It's so fucking stupid. Like, just think about it this way, Andy. Imagine that your neighbor right here, somebody breaks in to his apartment, takes a shit on his floor, puts shit in their hand, and writes fucking racist shit on the walls. Okay? They come and they talk to everybody, and they go, Andy, your fingerprints are in your neighbor's place, and your his neighbor on the other side's fingerprints are in his neighbor's place. Now, the guy on the other side has been caught three times shitting on people's floors and writing racist shit on their wall. And you have not. Who is the more likely subject suspect here? The guy who's done it over and over and over again? Or like, come on, he's already been caught three times from doing it. It's probably the guy on the other side who's never been caught doing it. It's like, this is how crime works. Like, this is... like. The usual suspects is because people repeat their actions over and over and over again. Bill Belichick has made a career out of cheating. I also think he's a brilliant coach, but part of that is also knowing what the t other team's going to do. He's cheating. He's been cheating the whole time. This is – we now have fucking – we've now seen the video, and we've got the guy going like, bruh. And also, like we talked about last episode, this is in the original Spygate report. Yeah. This guy – reacted the way the original Spygate report says they told people to react. You couldn't be caught more red-handed here. Yeah. No, you're right. He he is doing a reaction how they were told to react in 2007. And, and, and that's what's pretty alarming is it's almost like they have a playbook we're going to do this if we get caught. We're going to react this way if we get caught. And again, I, I think it's even more alarming that it is the one in 12 bangles. Because they, again, people are dumb and they get lost. And the, we didn't need to do that to spy on the bangles. No. But again, it shows. That this is just a system. This is a system of a long game. This isn't like we're only going to cheat against the teams we need to cheat on. This is just, we have a, this is our, this is our system for winning. 
Yeah. Our system of winning is like, this is what you do. And then the next week you guys go to this town and the next week. And it's just like a schedule. So like, are we on the road this week? Do we have to cheat against the Bengals? Do we have to cheat against the Dolphins? Do we have the week off? It's like, no, you guys are employed. You're just boom, boom, boom. Every week, get prepared to go one week forward and film the other team's sidelines, give them to us for us to review. Well, I just want to repeat what was found in the 2007 Spygate. It says the Patriots videographers were told to look like media members, to tape over their team logos or turn their sweatshirt inside out, to wear credentials. Guys, this is the same thing. Listen to this. To wear credentials that said Patriots TV or Kraft Productions. Now, I think these guys were actually wearing Patriots gear, so it's a little different. But this is the part that is so telling. The videographers were also provided with excuses for what to tell NFL security if asked what they were doing. Tell them you're filming the quarterbacks or the kickers or footage for a team show. And I repeat, this is from 2007. Or footage for a team show. Let me ask you something, Andy. In 2007, how many NFL team websites do you think were running flash video shows? Not many. Was this going on fucking NESN, like, cable in Massachusetts? I mean, this you're basically talking pre-Instagram. Facebook's new. Twitter, I don't even know if it's in 2007. I think Twitter came out in 2006, but it wasn't a thing until, yeah. like, 2009. Yeah. You just can't defend. Like, I don't know how anybody could watch this. Uh, it's for a show. We're going to mail it to your AOL. You've got new Patriots mail. Well, anyway, look. That's all I'm going to say about it. It's not a good look. It does make me, as a guy who has always been like, oh, the Patriots and the Patriot way. We've all been that way. We've all... I've like I'm the same thing. I, like I am a fucking Belichick slurper in terms of like greatest coach of all time. But this is just like you. I think you make a good point. You can be the greatest coach of all time, and you can also be a cheater the it, whole time. Yeah, it doesn't have to be one or the other. I think that's a good point. It doesn't mean that he's not a great coach, not a great schemer. The Patriot way clearly works. That is a good point. But you can also be a cheater, which he is blatantly, and the entire time. It, like, if this was on the Law and Order case, you'd be like, we've got you on some rapes in 2006, in 2004, in 2005, and we got you on a rape in 2019, and we got a bunch of unsolved rapes in your area between now and then. We got to go back and look. Like, those are probably you. Yeah, it's not good. And I'll be very curious to see how the NFL handles it. In 2007, he got fined 500 grand and they lost a first round pick. And even in that, I say big deal. Right. Big deal. When you're picking at the end of the round every year. And you're making millions. Big deal. Like you said, in the long run, how much more money did he make? Big deal. Yeah. How much, how much more money than that 500 grand did he make just on the fact that he has, like, when he wins his next Super Bowl after that, after Spygate, it's not like the Patriots, like, well, this is your first Super Bowl. They paid him like you just won your fourth Super Bowl or whatever it was. Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. I want to talk a little receiver for next year. Okay. I'm, I'm very curious about these, this trio of guys. 
What is the future in the NFL of Odell Beckham Jr., A.J. Green, and Antonio Brown? Well, what is A.J. Green's present? Is he, at this point, pretending to be hurt? That's a question that I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, and that's what I wonder. Now, he's been on record saying he wants to continue to play in Cincinnati. I believe his contract is up right. after this year. Right. I don't know why. He- I think A.J. Green's back and healthy somewhere, uh, whether it be Cincinnati or otherwise, and I think he's a fairly productive receiver depending on where he ends up. I think if you're A.J. Green, you know, um, do you stick around? Like, even even getting Burrow, let's say, with a, a top pick, like, do you stick around for that? You want you want to be a part of, like, these, a, a rookie's learning curve? Uh, if he were smart, he'd go to a team that needs a wide receiver, has a quarterback and an offense in place, and he'll be great. Odell Beckham Jr., I mean, there's a lot of issues in Cleveland. I know everybody's on the Odell Beckham Jr. as a diva game. Let's not forget, you know, Jarvis Landry's yelling at his coach yesterday. Let's not forget, like, there's a lot of problems in Cleveland. Um, it's, it's seemingly everybody wants out, uh, but he signed for a lot of money, and I don't think he's got – I think he'll be in Cleveland and be a receiver in Cleveland next year. And then Antonio Brown, it's just a matter of how desperate does some team get. But I think some team will get that desperate at some point. I think if, I think if Odell Beckham Jr. leaves Cleveland – I think it, I think he he's to that point of his career. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's it's tough for guys to have a rebirth. Well, I mean, essentially though, he's Terrell Owens. He's putting up he's still putting up very good numbers through this point in his career. He might not get a thousand yards this year, right? But I'm saying overall, he's still putting up great numbers to this point in his career. How does a team not like look at how many teams with the diva tag took a chance on Terrell Owens? And and again, that was a guy whose numbers, it's like they justified him being in the league, no doubt about it, but he still got passed around. I mean, how many teams was Terrell Owens on in the end? The Niners, the Cowboys, the Bills, the Bengals, the Eagles. But Terrell Owens is different, though, Joe, because Terrell Owens didn't really just start going off till he didn't have a thousand yards till his third season, right? And then after that, on his fifth season, then he had a thousand yards on his. Then he had a thousand yards or more in his fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth seasons. Then he goes to Philly. But I mean, he was still extremely productive. I, I, that that's my point. My point is, I don't think anybody looks at Odell Beckham Jr. the talent and says he doesn't have the ability to be productive. I'm not saying that. I just I think when you get to a certain point, it's not the physical. I think a lot of this is mental. That's why, like somebody like a Frank Gore is so amazing because. Obviously, he's been able to stay and maintain healthy, you know, his health. But, but again, the most, the, you know, the, the the reason you hear about diva wide receivers is because the most incompetent quarterback can hand off a ball to a running back. So, if Frank Gore is playing well, they can just hand him the ball, 
and keep it being productive. The problem is you've got a, a disastrous regression in Baker Mayfield in year two, and all the wide receivers are pissed off because the the hopes were so high. The, the The defense was supposed to be good. I mean, Chubb's running the shit out of the ball, but it's like with all the weapons and what's supposed to be a great defense, they're just not getting it done. And, I mean, again, Jarvis Landry yelling at his coach coming off the sideline yesterday. I just, we know the skilled positions can drop off quickly. They can. I mean, this will be his seventh year next year. He's still young. Obviously, he can still have, I would probably say, four or five very productive years. I don't know. I'll be curious to see how it plays out. I think he could really help out a lot of teams. I, I think Antonio Brown could, too. I mean, the, it, it seems like the Niners have been dancing around the Odell thing for a while. I mean, look at look what's happened to some of the guys that showed up on the Niners this year. Like, if, if he goes there, I, I don't think anybody's going like, oh, I don't know. We'll see if he can get 1,000 yards. But if you look at it's just crazy. If you look at Odell's last three years, he was hurt in 2017. But I mean his touchdowns, three, six, and two. Yeah. What what's your deal with the Browns? I see you put something on the run down. Well, uh, the Browns are horrific, right? And the Browns have been a super letdown. But I think we need to talk about something that people keep bringing up that I find offensive. Who's bringing this up? Many people are bringing up, would the Browns be better off with Hugh Jackson? I heard this question three times yesterday with the, the Hugh Jackson guy that like, oh, it's not so easy to coach the Browns. Freddie Kitchens is a nightmare. He is a disaster and a terrible, terrible head coach. <laughs> he's terrible. And in week 15, he's won twice as many games for the Browns as Hugh Jackson won in two and a half Fucking seasons. Okay, fair enough. Twice as many. But what are we going to say to this response? They have twice as much talent. They won three games in two and a half seasons. They, anybody that's bringing up Hugh Jackson at this point at any level other than this is, the, this is a picture of the worst coach in the history of the NFL is a joke, and you should not be allowed to talk sports anymore. He's won twice as many games. Okay, they have twice as much talent. Great, he's won twice as many games. In two and a half times less amount of time. It was two and a half full seasons for Hugh Jackson to win three games. Three! Look, I'm not defending Hugh. I'm just... Playing devil's advocate here. Freddie Kitchens is a bad head coach. Yes. Hugh Jackson is the worst coach in the history of professional and organized sport. <laughs> I'm not joking. He won three games in two and a half years. This like this like it's, it's tough to like argue. Hugh that. Jackson defense and this like oh everybody like not so easy to be the coach of the Browns. Well, it's fifty times easier to be the coach of the Browns than it was for Hugh Jackson. Well, look, I stand by what I said last year. They should have given that job to Greg Williams. He was more experienced. He won more games with Hugh Jackson in half a season. Yeah, he won five games. They won five and three. 
He's been pretty decent to the Jets' defense this year as their defensive coordinator. I, I just think it's... I don't understand from a hiring perspective. You have a young team. You have a bunch of talent. You also got guys who are coming in with some baggage. A lot of those guys, right? From Baker Mayfield to Odell Beckham Jr. to Kareem Hunt. You got guys coming in with baggage. And you give the job to someone who's never been an NFL head coach. At any level. I I just don't like that move. And clearly... It's not working. Right. Now, the other thing I have on the Browns, because, like I said before, we're seeing a bad regression from Baker Mayfield with more weapons. You got Chubb in the second year. You've got adding Beckham. You've got Kareem Hunt addition. addition. A bad regression. He's been bad. Uh, Redo the 2018 NFL draft. Who's the number one overall pick? Lamar Jackson? Well, how could you not say the way Lamar's played? I mean, you could, like, here's the only other argument for me. The only two possible number one overall picks are Lamar Jackson and Quentin Nelson. You could argue Lamar, I mean, obviously Lamar Jackson is going to be the MVP of the league. You could also argue... Quentin Nelson is a better guard than Lamar Jackson is a quarterback. So depending on what your team needs. But, like, obviously the Browns were kind of intent on grabbing a quarterback there one way or the other. But if you redo it, let's go to the top five. Who comes after those two? Let's say you go Lamar Jackson, then Quentin Nelson. Who's third? You still go Barkley? Well, I I don't know much in the order I'm just talking about ranking them yeah. in terms of which team. Forget, I, forget which teams are drafting in this. I know quarterbacks. Obviously, the quarterbacks taken in that draft were Darnold and Josh Allen, Josh, Josh Allen, and, and Josh Rosen. Rosen. Yeah. I mean, Rosen, Chubb went in that draft. Minka Fitzpatrick went in that draft. It's a good draft. Yeah. I mean, we could pull it up, but just like, give me your. I, I I'm interested. Like for me. Josh Allen's grown on me a lot. He hasn't grown on me. He's grown on me. He hasn't grown on me a lot. But I, I liked him pre-draft better than I liked a lot of those guys at, anyway. Because I was never sold on kind of any of them. Smaller program. I like that. So the, they said it last night. He's the first quarterback from Wyoming to ever take an NFL snap. Which is a pretty crazy stat right there. Mayfield, Barkley, Darnold. Denzel Ward, Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson, Josh Allen, Roquan Smith, Mike McGlinchey, who's honestly up there as well. Like he's been hurt a little bit, but he's been he's he's been part of the culture change for the Niners, taking these offensive linemen, him and Quentin Nelson, both Notre Dame guys, by the way. Josh Rosen, Minka, Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, going down there, and then you you know you've got a pretty strong drop off until you get to Lamar Jackson at 32, Nick Chubb at 35. You know what's interesting? So Chubb was taken in the second round. Yeah. What's interesting is Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield just could not be more different. Derwin James at 17. They, they're just such different people. Lamar is just all about 
business. He's humble. He keeps quiet. He does his job in the field. If you watch any interviews with Lamar, it's all about the team. He's very focused. Now, I know a lot of that is kind of where you're you're playing under. Again, Harbaugh is a great coach versus Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland. I, I just think when I look at Baker Mayfield, and we've talked about it, and I know he's young, and I know how dumb I was at that age, and I can't imagine what it's like to have that attention and be the number one draft pick. But he's spending all that goddamn time on social media. Well, it, you know, it's funny because we, we obviously we've talked when it comes to a million different things on the show about like how athletes how race in America affects these athletes or whatever. But just imagine if Lamar Jackson had Baker Mayfield's attitude and Baker Mayfield had Lamar Jackson's attitude. Baker Mayfield would have one hundred percent of the commercials on television and Lamar Jackson would be like, Diva, what an asshole, like shut up and play. Yeah. I like Lamar a lot. Like I've like I've just I've watched a ton of his interviews and He's just a humble dude. He's just out here at work. Yeah. But I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to say it right now. Ravens. Having so much fun. No one's having more fun than them. What's that I smell? I smell an upset. You need to lose before the playoffs. I don't like this. I, I, I see letdown written all over it. You see, you, you think they need to lose a regular season game to get to to get the fire or yes. okay or you're saying I mean there are two weeks left and they are going to play I think they play one tough game don't they or are they pretty much cruising at this point not that any not that any game they've had has been tough in a while but uh, they they are I think they're just killing teams too easily yeah but again you look at the AFC playoffs who do you who's beating the Ravens right now that's a good question. I agree with you. I think when you look at the only team I can see beating the Ravens right now is the Chiefs because you could just get into the one. You can basically get, get into a the shootout. Game, you get in that game, that Rams Chiefs game we saw at the Coliseum yeah. last year. It's like fuck. Yeah, who's winning? Team who has the ball last. I just I don't know. I just you see you know what I'm saying. We see it all the time, right? Teams that win the AFC playoffs is kind of a like uh, and. Uh, you know, we want the the Steelers. By the way, are still in right now, right now, and I I think everybody is eliminated besides the three AFC South teams. One of them obviously has to win. The Steelers, the Bills are in, so it's just who wins the AFC South, and does like the other AFC South team win enough games to be a wild card? The Steelers get in. Are the Steelers have any chance of winning a playoff game on the road? No. Now, let me ask you another question here, because at this point, you've, we, we've just agreed to disagree on Eli Manning, so I won't bring him into the question. Thank you. Uh, who gives the Steelers a better chance to win a road playoff game with their current team? Duck Hodges, Mason Rudolph, or modern current day Peyton Manning? Wait, what? Peyton Manning, off of the bench, out of nowhere, not playing a single snap for however many seasons, Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges? They would play against the Chiefs. Oh, they're fucked either way. 
all three scenarios. Uh, I would still go with the current guys. Either I duck. mean, those guys looked have looked bad. I know. Either Duck or Rudolph. Paid Maddox too busy doing his uh, commercials with Brad Paisley. What? I know. I didn't say anything. I mean, that's a wild scenario that you just. I'm. I'm just saying that the team is essentially built on them running the ball, them playing defense. But now you've got got you've just got guys who just are not qualified to be in the NFL in any regard, basically to be to be starting quarterbacks, which. You know, again, get sort of proven by yeah, you can win a couple games here and there. You can play, but like, a, a, eventually, a team starts to figure out your tendencies and whatever. And he proved last night that he has no ability to make an adjustment whatsoever. And and the end of that game was a, a, a like an abomination. That final, those, those final couple drives where he's just you're like, what are you doing? Duck, duck was throwing some ducks. Yeah. Yeah, it was tough. So to- I just really hope the Steelers don't get in for that reason alone. It's like I just don't want to watch that. Yeah, Unless, of course they want to sign Peyton Manning to be quarterback. Then I'll watch that. It was tough to watch. I'd much rather watch Tennessee. Let's let me let me see who the Ravens got because now I'm curious. Do the Ravens have any difficult games left? They're at Cleveland this week. That's their last loss. Was at home to Cleveland, and they finish at home against the Steelers. I am so curious how this plays out. I'm not trying to take anything away from Lamar. Lamar's the MVP. But when you watch those games, man, and I got to see it live, these guys are so wide open. I mean, so wide open. In a way, but it's but that's this. It's the scheme of the fact that they're running, I, they're running play actions, they're running run pass options. But that's they're getting guys open. He's rolling out like. But my point is, it, you know what it reminds me of? The Ravens' offense this year reminds me of the Rams, the first couple of years under under McVay, where Goff just has wide open guys to hit. Again, I'm not taking anything away from Lamar. It's just like. Yeah, God. you can't take anything away from Lamar because honestly, they're because, also doing it in a different way. It's like and also if you run a play action one way, and then you're going to hit like if you run a play action, and then you're going to hit a, a tight end that's only running five yards off the line down this way. That's a it's a it's the angle on that is not a wide open throw unless of course your quarterback can turn after he runs that play action and sprint out to a position where that throw is fucking super easy because he's faster than everybody on the field. Well, it's also not a knock on Lamar because the reason these guys are so open is because of how he runs the ball. Right. So he is a direct correlation to having open... I mean, the tight end. You watch those games. No, that's what I'm saying. And there's no one near him. Once they catch the ball, they got 10, 15, 20 yards to run. Yeah. I'll be curious. I'm just, I'm just curious because I, I don't think they're gonna get crazy tested defensively. Maybe New England in that side of the playoffs until maybe a Super Bowl. But New England not being able to film them in a pre-playoff game, tough. Yeah, I don't like New England's chances getting caught for cheating on the cusp of the playoffs. Revenge game. 
We have to get revenge for getting caught for breaking the rules for 20 consecutive years. How dare you? We will have our revenge. I like the idea of Bill Belichick just walking in to the Ravens practice and filming, and they'll be like, what are you doing? He's like, come on, I'm not that dumb. Yeah. I'm doing a whole documentary on the Harbaugh family. Yeah. I'm not that dumb. He's like, we're doing a new comedy for HBO. <laughs> It's called the Harbaugh's. Yeah. And I wanted to, you know, get some visuals because I'm writing it. It's scripted. I wanted to know kind of the nuances of John Harbaugh. We're going to be filming Michigan next week. Kind of a Larry David thing where, like, (laughs) you know, it's, like, awkward. It's You know, those conversations are always super awkward. Like, I'm here. I'm clearly filming your practice. Now the conversation about me filming your practice is awkward. Shout out to Joe Burrow, man. He crushed the Heisman voting. Record setting. Yeah. And he deserves it. Joe Burrow was the highest percentage of first place votes in the history. He was the highest percentage of possible points. And also the highest percentage of votes received. And also, most importantly, Joe Burrow beat O.J. Simpson's largest margin of victory. Who knew? The juice had it in 1968. But here's my favorite part, and I posted this. ESPN, because I watched the Heisman ceremony, ESPN read all those stats, which I just read to you, Mm -hmm. all those record-setting Heisman stats. Again, he didn't just win. He shattered all the records as far as the voting. ESPN read all four, but they didn't. I'm sorry. They read three of the four. They just acted like OJ didn't have the record for largest Heisman I mean, victory. ESPN's a fucking embarrassment and a joke at this point because it's like you you'll hire Ray Lewis, but you won't even mention OJ Simpson. I, that's what it's wild. Make sure you watch Spotlight with Kobe Bryant, but we will we refuse to mention his name to mention OJ Simpson. Even though it says it, n- it's so dumb. It's so dumb. Absolutely ridiculous. He he won the award. It's just like who like, and also what's the backlash here? Are, is ESPN going to get phone calls? They're like, you showed OJ Simpson's name on the screen. That was bad enough, but when you said it, that's where I just I couldn't take it anymore, and I had to call. What a bunch of cucks! How dare you read his name? I was just there trying to enjoy the Heisman Trophy ceremony. And you brought up these horrible visuals and for the of, re- of dead bodies and gloves that don't fit, so you must have quit. How do you do this to me? My kids were watching, and they have no idea who O.J. Simpson is because no one said his name in 25 years. They were horrified. I had to explain it to them. They said, like, Orange Juice Simpson? I said, no, Orenthal James. He was a murderer. He decapitated two people. What a bunch of cucks, huh? Yeah. yeah. You, you can't even mention the guy's name. And not to mention. Uh, th- by the way, ESPN had a 11-part documentary on it. <laughs> That's a great point. Don't... <laughs> We will not mention his name for three seconds during the Heisman Trophy. But if you want to tune in to the 17-hour documentary that we did, that's on immediately after the Heisman Trophy race. I would love to be. Don't forget to stay tuned after the Heisman Trophy where, we won't, where we're doing a 17-part documentary on 
that guy who did that thing in 94. You know the guy with the Bronco. We're not going to say his name, but just know that we are doing a 17-part documentary on it immediately following this award ceremony. I would love to have been in that that meeting, that's that pre-production staff meeting before they went live. And and they say it, it was Maria Taylor reading this stuff off and one of the executives or producers says, "Now Maria, you just skip over OJ. Just don't mention his name. Just skip over OJ. But make sure you do the plugs for our 17-part documentary yeah. series on the juice. But we can't mention his name. Bunch of fucking cucks. Shout out to Burrow, though, man. Four people didn't vote for Burrow at all. He was not on four people's ballots. We are now at the point with modern technology where these people need to be shamed. Yeah, I agree. They need, to be, they need to be dragged out. Yeah, I agree. And OJ should be able to stab them to death. <laughs> <laughs> That's the answer. Don't mention his name in the broadcast. But if four, but if a guy wins the Heisman unanimously and he didn't make your finalist ballot, OJ should get to decapitate you. And and what that'll do is that'll keep OJ that'll keep his his uh, you know his taste for murder, his hunger for blood. It'll 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 keep him sort of satisfied for a while. Instead of innocent people getting murdered by O.J. Simpson, we should let him murder the people that didn't vote for Joe Burrow for Heisman. That's that's I didn't know that. That's ridiculous. It's a, it's, it, it's it's a win win. We keep O.J. from murdering regular people, and people who deserve to be murdered get murdered by O.J. Did I did I fix the entire Heisman system? No, but I fixed a lot of it. <laughs> Joe Burrow was left off 4.5% of the votes. Those people should be murdered by O.J. Simpson. I think You know the Heisman House? Yeah. I think ESPN should rent a second Heisman House, the Heisman Cottage on Bundy, where Heisman voters who do not vote for unanimous winners have to sleep for a week in a reality show, and we film the whole thing, and at some point during the week, Heisman winner O.J. Simpson comes in and murders them. (laughs) And it's like a big brother type of thing. Like, he murders them one at a time, and we see who can make it to the end. It's like Dancing with the Stars, but instead Dancing with O.J., who has a knife. And then he'd chuckle at the end. That's his big thing on his Twitter. He loves chuckling. Yeah. I hate these people. These people that don't vote for a certain player. Like we see it in Major League Baseball in the Hall of Fame all the time. Yeah. Like the guy, like the high school baseball writer from San Diego who didn't vote for Jacob deGrom two years ago. Every single person who voted for the Cy Young gave him a first place vote, except a guy who covers high school baseball in San Diego. That guy should also be murdered by O.J. Simpson. Not a short drive down the 405. Take the 405 to the 5. Get off at fucking, you know, Balboa. I bet murder OJ, that guy. I, I bet OJ, he stops somewhere for tacos or in and out Yeah, yeah. Right? He's stopping somewhere. Stop, stop somewhere for a rare steak that he can cut up. Does OJ leave the state of like, Florida? I like it bloody. <laughs> Does he leave the state of Florida? Is he in Florida? Yeah. Oh, is he? Pretty sure. I think he can only bounce from Florida to Nevada. Like, those are the only two places. Where he can go. He wasn't. He might be in Nevada still, right? 
Nevada? I'm pretty sure he's in Florida. Because does he not have like a parole situation? I think Florida, somebody told me this, Florida is the most lenient on laws when it comes to that stuff. I think if he lives in... Yeah, I know. I think if he lives in Florida... And only eats other humans that he can live there. Like, what kind of of loophole is this? You have to be a cannibal. I think in Florida, OJ lives there because it's some issue with his settlement. I don't think the Goldmans can go after him as much for all that money. Right. If he lives in Florida. I could be wrong on this. Somebody told me this, though. And it makes sense. Yeah. Dude, Florida's the Wild West. We have some, do we have some states in this country, Florida, Texas, it's basically a different country. Yeah. You go there and you're like, what is happening? And we should be a fucking different country too. Get me away from this America with all your fucking Mexicans working all the restaurants. Never forget Whataburger, Amarillo, Texas. The guy with, the guy with his gun out of its holster. <laughs> Because people were upset that the milkshake machine was not working. I will shoot everybody in here. And I will also... You stand back. I will also give you your double cheeseburger with fries. Yeah. He was delivering food. The guy was a legend. Absolutely unreal. But yeah, much love to Burrow. He was very emotional in his acceptance speech. Yeah. I thought I thought Coach O was going to cry, too. I, Coach O was crying. He was crying, right? Yeah. He just, he just doesn't make any sounds or movements when he cries. I tweeted this out. Let me cry. <laughs> I tweeted this out. I feel like he he cries sweat. How much would you like to follow Coach O around New York City with a camera crew? Yeah. What is Coach O doing in the Big Apple? Like, what is that experience like? As far as his restaurants, walking through Times Square, wherever he goes, this Bayou swamp having coach who no one can understand. And, and, Riding the subway. Yeah. And well, I feel like he he just like gets in yellow cabs, like it's like old 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 school. He's like, take me to the closest crawfish restaurant. <laughs> and they're like, I don't know if we. He's like, give me there. <laughs> Did you see he had like he had crawfish delivered to the restaurant? Like some restaurant didn't have it when he sat down with Burrow, and so he had it delivered. Like Jesus Christ, this guy he's a character of himself at this point. But what's crazy is, dude, people forget he was USC's interim coach. Yeah. What was it like? In- he's been he's been multiple. I know. But what was Coach O like living in LA? But I feel like he's just he just becomes like whoever like now that he's in now that he's in Louisiana, it's just like all crawfish all the time. Yeah. But when he was like USC's head coach, he just like embraced California culture. Need me a in and out burger, double double, animal style, yeah, I coach O style. Can you imagine Coach O going to an in and out drive through? Can you repeat that, sir? Going in and out, gonna get a uh, number two, animal style, protein style, animal fries on animal shake. They're like, uh, we don't, <laughs> we don't have an animal shake. Let me ask you something. What is it? What makes an animal burger or animal fries? Uh, we put um, we put caramelized onions and special sauce. So what the fuck is the problem then? <laughs> I want a chocolate shake with caramelized onions and special sauce. Doesn't seem like it's that hard. You put it on everything else. You can make a burger animal. You can make fries animal. You can make a fucking shake animal. Uh, sir, it, it are are you you want onions in your? Do I not speak English? 
Oh, Coach O. Love that guy. Yeah. Looking forward to these playoffs. <coughs> the NBA playoffs? Oh, you're talking about college football. Yeah. And the NBA playoffs. Yeah. The Lakers have won 14 in a row on the road. Yeah. You know the Lakers' only home loss, I'm sorry, road loss, was basically a home loss? They lost to the Clippers At, in, in Staples. Yeah. So the Lakers have technically not lost a game away. From Los Angeles. Which is pretty wild. Yeah. They got some tough ones this week, though. At Indiana, at Milwaukee. Milwaukee's playing great. Yeah, that Milwaukee game, that's a... I mean, it's early, but that's a little potential NBA Finals preview. You know what's interesting in the West? I was thinking about this. The Lakers clearly care about the number one seed. But it really doesn't matter, right? Because if the Clippers... let's Let's just say hypothetically the Clippers get the number two. Yeah. They're still playing at home. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I right? think so, so so I don't think anybody's talking about this. How much does it matter for either the Lakers or the Clippers? If if those are the two teams that are one and two, they're still playing in Los Angeles. Well, but look at look at the Chargers, right? And now like obviously if it's the Lakers they're going to get a bunch of Lakers fans to both to Clippers games. Yeah. But I don't think Clippers fans are showing up to the Lakers. Like, I just don't think they do it. You're right. So It's a good point. I mean, the home field advantage, home court advantage, I think is less about the arena and more about the fans, obviously. Uh, not that Lakers, I mean, again. We, we've never seen this, have we? What's that? There's no way this has ever happened. A team from the same city is playing in some sort of finals in the same stadium. Well, it would be obviously it wouldn't be the final. It'd be a it'd be a potential conference finals. But that's what I'm saying. The yeah. conference finals. Yeah. Obviously, in the World Series, we've had the Mets and the Yankees. But I'm saying the same building. Yeah. And the Lakers and Clippers have had series, but just not but just earlier on. But we've never seen it like this. But I. But again, I think I think it would be. Have they played in the playoffs? I think I think once or twice. Right. They must have. Played at some point. I don't recall since I moved out here them ever playing in the playoffs. It's it's kind of an interesting dynamic, and you are right. You would get a you would get a Lakers spillover, like like the way the Chargers just never have a home game because it L A is such a transplant city that Vikings fans are going to be there, and Broncos fans are going to be there, and whatever. But like you're you're and and that's the way it is at Clippers games. If you go to Clippers games, and and we've done this too, like the Knicks come to town, they'll they'll honestly often play. Two days apart. They'll play the Clippers. They'll have a day off. They'll play the Lakers while they're here. I always go to the Clippers game. It's just cheaper. It's easier. There's more Knicks fans yeah, there. There's more Knicks fans there as opposed to those Lakers games. It's so interesting. People don't realize because obviously, if you don't, unless you live here, the Clippers, even though they have such a stacked team and they got Paul George and Kawhi, they're still fighting to get people down to the Staples Center. You see billboards all. You'll never see. I don't think I ever have. Have you ever seen a Lakers billboard? No. They don't need to put them up. Yeah. They're going to fill seats. You see Clippers billboards all over L.A., and they take digs at the Lakers. What's the one? Have you seen the one on Venice Boulevard? It's the intersection of Venice and Lincoln. Uh, I've seen it, but I don't think I've taken notice of what it says. So it has Kawhi Leonard, and it has Paul George, and I forget what it says on it, but they're trying to push team. 
versus individual. Right. Basically, they're taking a dig at the Lakers are all about individuals, which is hilarious because the Lakers are playing great as a team right now, and that the Clippers are a team. It's it's we. Yeah. I mean, it, look, I, I, as as a fan of the New York Mets, it's like I understand the little brothers. Like you'll never, you'll they'll never pass the Lakers ever, ever. Yeah. And the, and the Mets won't ever pass the Yankees. There's just too much history. Yeah. And it's a newer team, and it's everything. It's everything about it. They'll never pass them. Never. But, um, you know, obviously two good teams in L.A. Uh, obviously, the sad news uh, for the Clippers is they have lost their eighth game. Yeah. Uh, over the weekend. So Tough scene. Sam, Sam Tripoli's 75-7 and seven prediction is wrong before the unofficial start of the NBA season, Christmas Day. The dude predicted seventy five and seven. Garbage. You just uh destroy people's eardrums with that one, Brian. Yeah, I mean I assume if anybody who listens to this and punch drunk, they're used to having their earbuds destroyed by somebody yelling garbage in a reckless manner. Seventy five and seven. What did the Warriors go a few years ago? Well, they broke the record, they went seventy three and nine. Yeah. So he thought they were going to one-up that by two games. Yeah. Because what Sam Tripoli, garbage person that he is, uh, was predicting was that they were going to set the all-time wins record. But instead of saying that they were going to do it by one game, much like, you know, everybody was going, Ken, though, everybody knew if the Warriors were going to do it yeah. that year, that it was going to be 73-9 and because it's just too much, so much pressure. Sam was saying no. This team that has never been successful in the history of their franchise uh, will not only be able to handle the pressure of being the second team in the league in the in their own city, but they will they'll breeze through it. They're going to breeze to seventy five and seven, even though their star pro- player can't play back to back games because he's injured. Even though he was fine last year. Shout out to freezing cold takes for retweeting that. And shout out to myself for getting freezing cold takes to retweet that. <laughs> and shout out to Sam for providing the hilarious content. Yeah. Uh, I want to give another shout out to our friends at Manscaped. Joe, the holidays are here. You have two brothers. Could you think of a better gift than giving them some Manscaped? No. Honestly, not for, for this holiday season, what else What else does the man in your life need? I got the lawnmower 2.0. What else do we got in here? There's so much good stuff I over at Manscaped. I love this leather bag. Lo- you love the leather bag. I do. I love it. I take it on the road with me. It's got the button, so buttons closed. The crop cleanser. The crop preserver, which is the anti-chafing ball deodorant. I'm not going to lie. I put it all on my balls. Oh, I yeah. I don't know what order it's supposed to yeah. go on, but... We have the amazing Crop Reviver Toner and Refresher with active pH control. Guys, Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. And I love Manscaped. I will be using Manscaped uh, this week. I'm going to freshen up a little. Yeah, for the holidays? Yeah, you know. You know, you're going to see your family. You better have clean balls. Yeah, got to look fresh for the family. It really is a great gift, and you get 20% off. And free shipping. Take advantage of this now. Christmas is next week. 20% off plus free shipping with code DIRTY 
at manscaped.com. If you're a dirtball couple and you want to get it for your significant other, I think it's a great gift for your man. So once again, get 20% off and free shipping with code DIRTY at manscaped.com. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with code DIRTY. Clean up your nuts and make Santa proud this year. Girls, get it for your guys. Guys, get it for your girls. And by that, I mean get it for yourself and take care of yourself for your lady. Exactly. And maybe you like, I got this gift for you. And she's like, what? It's Manscaped. It's like, well, I'm going to use it. But just know that it is absolutely positively a gift for you. And when you get it, send me a screenshot and I'll get you some koozies. To me, that's a great combo. And, and by that, any means send him a screenshot of the product or the receipt. Don't send him a screenshot of yourself having used it. How do you know? How do you know? I, Sh- sure. How do you know? I don't want to see that. Maybe, maybe Andy does want that. You know who she gets a manscaped is Santa Claus. I bet he's got some stuff going on down below. If there's anything like his beard. I think he just has the elves take care of it. I bet they use manscaped. They're, they're right down there. There's just a little elf standing under his grundle with the manscaped Lawnmower 2.0. His grundle. <laughs> do you want to do some dirtball calls? Sure. I mean, it's been a minute. Yeah. I had a couple Major League Baseball things. but Well, Madison Bumgarner's leaving the San Francisco Giants. He signed with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, stays in the a- stays in the NL West, which uh, w- will be interesting for sure. Um, I think Mad Bum's still got it. They gave him five years, which is... Uh, I believe five years, $75 million. Yeah, which is a, a lot. And I'm actually surprised. I thought Mad Bum was going to uh, go toward more of an obvious contender. But, you know, money's money. So, yeah. That. And then, of course, we will not get into this very long. All Major League Baseball teams are cuck bitches. And they're all extending their nets to protect people who don't care about baseball and just want to Snapchat at baseball games. And like, like I said, I'm not going to get too far into this. I've made myself very clear on what I think about Nets. I think it's disgusting. And baseball, uh, you know, they they're they're struggling to get people at games, and meanwhile, they're blocking people's view at games. Yeah, and, and for anyone who disagrees, and if you want to talk about safety, and one last thing, if you want to say it doesn't obstruct your view, I'll ask you to do this: when you watch TV tonight, put a net in front of your face. Yeah. It's literally the same thing. Put a net on your car windshield. I mean, think about it. It's not obstructing your view. And should anything hit the front of your car, maybe somebody throws a rock or something like that, it's going to get caught by the net. Better safe than sorry. You should drive with a net on your car windshield yeah. all the time. And if you don't, then you're a liar. Yeah. Because it's a one in a million chance something comes through your window. And it's a one in a million. It's actually h- higher than a one in a million chance that somebody gets hit with a baseball. Well, well, the the net thing to me is, again, I always try to look at the bigger picture. It's, it's safe space. Yeah, that's what it is. It's I'm not gonna say O.J. Simpson because it might offend somebody during the Heisman broadcast. It's a safe space at a college campus. It's you're offending me. You can't say that. It's all the same, guys. This is all interwoven into each other, and it's just this sad pathetic state of a culture that we live in and joe's right it is what it is and uh i have sadly experienced a few of those games and in fact i got to experience one last year in san francisco with you and it is different and i for one will not be getting seats where my view is obstructed 
And it, the the biggest loser in this situation is is the fans, the actual fans. Yeah. Because nothing better than as a child, if you're a young boy, you're a young girl, and you want to get the balls from the players. That is such to me. That is that is the essence of baseball. And what's so cool about baseball is that the players can hand you the balls, but now there's a net and they can't do that. So that's not how you get fans because some of your great memories, right, as a kid are getting that ball from the player and that makes you become a baseball fan. And that's, and, and, and that's the excuse for people all the time with the Nets is that these, like, basically you're saying that then kids can't sit close to the game. And it's like, well, what does it matter that they do or they don't anymore anyway? They can't, like you said, they can't walk down to the railing and, and it's fucking stupid. And honestly, if you were going to make a rule – Make the rule that there you these teams can't do VIP batting practice anymore. All kids can walk down to the railing like they always used to, regardless yeah. of your ticket. And then also they can't fucking sit there during the game. I like it. I like that idea of having a rule for the kids. Dude, when we went to that Giants Mets game, it was crushing. Every single inning, the same boys and girls would go down and they didn't understand it. Because they were used to not having nets. They didn't understand that there was a net and they couldn't get the balls from the players. And it was tough to watch. You feel bad for the kids. Major League Baseball hates children. Yeah. You act like you like them, but you actually hate them. Okay. Dirtball calls. It's been a minute. Let's get to some of these, Joe. Let's do it. We have an update from uh, a Dirtball. Remember, remember Alexis? Remember our hockey correspondent? Sure. Good, good things are happening. Let's hear what's going on. Andy. Eli one of one of one. What's going on? <laughs> it's uh, number one farmer dirtball Jay out here in Minnesota, amongst the herd of cattle with the frost on the trees. I just thought we should recognize our, our former Dirty Sports hockey correspondent uh, Alexis from Minnesota, fellow Minnesotan, has a job at KFan, uh, local Minnesota Wild radio network, and uh, doing quite well. So I would invite anyone that doubted her hockey take to come to Minnesota. Find one of our glorious 10,000 lakes, saw a hole in it, and uh, jump right in. So uh, just thought give some love to a fellow Minnesota dirtball. Well, that's great. Love it. Good for Alexis. I saw that. I saw that on our Twitter, and I, and I responded under Dirty Sports' Twitter. Well, I mean, congratulations to Alexis. Got the Dirty Sports bump. Yeah, it happens. You're welcome. I mean, we I'm not s- saying she owes us 10% of her salary, but I'm not not saying that. I mean, we saw it, though. We said someday she's, like, totally yeah. made for TV. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, and Jesse Stanga, he he scouted her. Right. He was like the Patriots scout. Yeah. He scouted her. He's like, she'd be good for the show. She was almost too knowledgeable for us. The, on hall, the-, the hall of Famer. The, yeah. The, the sole Hall of Famer still. Yeah. Although I think we did talk about a uh, uh, Australian Mitch vote. I mean, he's traveling the globe. Yeah. He's in Amarillo. I barely could make it to Amarillo. Yeah. He came all the way from down under. Okay. Here's one for you, Joey. Okay. Hey, Joe and Andy. Um, This is Xander, part of the original team call. Um, So I'm declaring for the Canadian Football League draft um, this coming winter. or Sorry, this coming spring. Um, And part of that process is combines and stuff like that. And a few of the top Canadian football um, collegiate players usually get invites to NFL minicamps. 
and I would really enjoy that opportunity. Um, so I guess I was wondering, um, Joe, is there any way um, that we could work out a possibility for me getting an NFL mini camp invite to the New York Giants? I know you're close with the Maras. I think it would be uh, pretty cool to um, have a dirty uh, dirt ball, um, get an opportunity with your hometown team. That'd be pretty cool for me as well. Um, I've been listening to the show for probably four years. Uh, first called with the uh, Joey Batista bat flip. And, uh, yeah, I think it'd be sweet. Um, so my name is Andrew Tuchinsky, if you want to look me up on social media. Um, and condoms are for Kirk Cousins. Thanks, guys. Ooh, shots fired. Um, if you're an offensive lineman, you can get invited to the Giants starting lineup on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, what position do you play? Um, I don't know. He said Jace, James Trzinski or something like that. Sounds like a name. I'm going to have a hard time. Xander. Xander. Uh, Xander. I mean, do they still have like huddle or whatever? You know, those like social media things where kids put up their highlights and shit like that. What does he play? Did he say? No, he didn't. He didn't say that. So I'm saying if he's an offensive lineman, God damn it. You could you could get there tomorrow, but yeah, send us uh, slide into my DMs and send me like, you know your your highlight package or whatever, and I'll uh, I'll pass it along. Yeah, I can't make any promises, but uh, I've been trying to get an invite to minicamp myself for years. Big possession receiver, but it'd be nice to have a dirt ball even in the CFL. Yeah, but what do you play? Yeah, so send it send us it and uh, I'll have a look. Cool. All right, let's get through a couple of these. Hey, Rooster, see what happens when you get off my Cowboys dick? Yeah. What? Yeah, it's like all of a sudden we're a good team again. Oh, no, baby. Don't get back on it. Condoms are for you, douche. Shots fired. Wow. Is, uh, what was the kid's name from Tennessee? Remember the wild weirdo? Alex from Kentucky? Yeah, Alex from Kentucky. Is Alex from Kentucky now a Cowboys fan? That had that had that reeked of Alex from no, Kentucky vibes. No, Alex from Kentucky is way different. By the way, Alex from Kentucky, you know where he's at now? He's on our Instagram page. Oh yeah, he's all about that. That's hilarious. Just making awful comments. Um. Well, good news for this guy. Now you're back on the Cowboys. As Cowboys can beat anybody in the NFC. So congratulations, you guys will not win another game and you will not make the playoffs. Any given Sunday. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. No, I know I know what you're saying, and I, I hope this guy's excited about you being back on the Cowboys train. I'm not back on the train. I didn't pick up the win last week because they kept letting me down. I mean, you did say they could beat any NFC team in a playoff game. I still believe that. I know you still believe that. I'm just repeating what you said so that this guy can know that you said that and pretty much guarantee that they're not making the playoffs. All I'm saying is I think anybody in the NFC can beat each other. I don't think that's the same way in the AFC. That's all I've been saying this episode. And I agree with you, except for the Cowboys or the Eagles. I don't think that they will beat anybody. Okay. All right. Let's end the show with a, uh, a call for you, Joey. Wait, wait I got I want to know about this kicker thing. Oh, it's it, it's kind of more of like for tug. All right, it's, fuck it. it. Play, it, you, play the other one. Then. You know, it just goes back to our whole thing with kicking. It's just, it's all right. It's been on the. Are run. we doing this kicker uh, challenge anytime soon? Well, I'm trying to. We need we need. 
Maybe it might be best if when Nick, I'm getting Nick D'Alessandro out here. Okay. I'm kidnapping him. All right, let's get to this call, though. Hey, boys, it's AJ from Dallas. I just, I was driving, driving somewhere, and I was listening to your podcast talking about uh, Eli Manning, and just this thought popped in my head about just touchdown interception ratio with Eli Manning and Jameis Winston. Now, Eli has 362 touchdowns to 241 interceptions, which puts him uh, roughly at a 1.5 touchdown to interception ratio, while James Winston has 114 to 81, which puts him at a 1.4. I, I know, I know Eli's been playing a lot longer, a lot more games than Jameis and all this stuff, and this is just one stat, but after the game that Jameis Winston had today, I'm thinking that Jameis Winston is just a gunslinger, just like Eli Manning, and he's just, like, slinging his dick around along with the football. I'm not defending him, and I, nor do I work for the Bucks, but, I mean, like, you got to think about it. I don't know. Uh, take care, boys. Be good. And uh, shout-out to Aaron for being a dope motherfucker. Bye. So this is essentially real quick before I'll yeah. let you say your piece. This call was before last week's games. Got it. Just if anybody well, knows. Really neither here nor there. This is essentially the um sole point of the four hundred page manuscript, Jameis One of One, how media bias has caused derangement syndrome against the Sure Thing Hall of Famer. And here's the thing. Eli Manning still playing today in 2019, but obviously, regardless if he plays on after this or not, this is the tail end of his career. Jameis is in his fifth season or whatever, but the change in the NFL over the last 20 years, let alone over the last 30 to 40 years, is massive. We And we've talked about this before. When in the Peyton Manning, early Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, Tom Brady, Eli Manning, all those a 90 quarterback rating was good. Yeah. 55 completion percentage was good. Average, 1.5 yeah. touchdown to interception ratio was average. Good. Uh, the game has changed a lot. Now, Eli Manning, and and the same way Brett Favre was at the end of his career, still playing that style of play, it's, it's hard to turn a quarterback into something that they're not. If Eli Manning came into the league today, do I believe that Eli Manning, brain-wise, is going to be a different kind of quarterback? Yeah, I do. I think that he's smart enough and talented enough that he would play more the style of game, be a lot more screen passes, a lot more short passes, all that stuff. The fact is, Jameis Winston, and this is why the book and the person behind the book, GM Jason Light of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is a fucking lunatic, is because they're comparing Jameis Winston's stats to... 20 years ago, Peyton Manning, to 25 years ago, Brett Favre, to 40 years ago, Dan Fouts. Spoiler, if Dan Fouts came into the league today and threw more interceptions than he has touchdowns, not only is he not in the Hall of Fame, he's not in the league. The game has changed. Yeah, 
Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold's touchdown to interception ratio probably isn't what Eli Manning is. But that's the point. The game is different. The fact that Jameis Winston is playing the game style of a gunslinger from 20 years ago is why Jameis Winston will not last in this league. Not why he should last in this league. Like, we're, we're, we're convoluting completely different things. Yeah, the the game has changed. I mean, it, it's it's interesting because Jameis currently right now. I mean, it is it's wild. He's currently leading the NFL in passing yards, touchdowns, and interceptions. This is unheard of, guys. He might he might do the thirty thirty club for touchdowns and interceptions. He's already got it for touchdown passes, and. The stat yesterday was wild, and I posted it on social media. He threw an interception on the opening drive against the Lions. This season, he has thrown an interception on the opening drive five times in 15 games. So once out of every three games, um, just imagine that. Imagine that. And Sean Merriman did a great job talking about that, the psychology of the defense. If you're starting one out of every three games, your quarterback is throwing an interception. The pressure that puts on your defense and it's not just this year. He, in his 70 games now, he's thrown an interception on the opening drive 10 times. But if you look at, like, just the modern quarterbacks, like the truly modern, modern, like the Aaron Rodgers era and forward, it's unheard of prior to that to have the 30-touchdown, six-interception season. That's a college football stat prior to this, like the 5-1 to one touchdown interception ratio. That was not something that Montana did. That's not something that Steve Young did. It's not something that Peyton Manning did, that Favre did. None of these guys did that. You want me to read off? Here's an interesting stat for you. I just randomly selected it. Again, it's one year. Yeah. Because I think it's an interesting indicator. This is the year 2000. Yeah. So almost 20 years ago. Peyton Manning led the NFL in the year 2000 um, with 33 touchdowns. He had 15 interceptions. Yeah. Number two was Dante Culpepper, 33 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. Number three was Jeff Garcia, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. But you know what's crazy, too? Their completion percentages are night and day. Yeah. Guys, in in 2000, the highest completion percentage for anybody who played 16 games was Dante Culpepper. At 62.7. That would be in the bottom 15 now. So the game has completely changed. Yeah. Jameis Winston is a Hall of, puts up Hall of Fame stats if he's damn fouts. Yeah. But it's just not that way anymore. It's just and not. The, the, the short passing game, the screen passing game, the pick play passing game. When, when you, when these teams, Run these pick these two yard rubs. He's one one yard. Oh, if it happens between the line of if it happens within one yard of the line of scrimmage, you can block a defensive back who is covering another receiver. How do you throw an interception on those plays? I mean, and I, I'm not joking. That is at this point become the the gold standard for goal line plays. I mean, think about 15 years ago. How many just fade passes we see? Ten years ago. Five-yard line. Snap, throw the ball up in the air to a wide receiver as a jump ball. 
Yeah. The back shoulder ball has become more prominent. The 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 pick plays, the rubs, the the tight end screens, the halfback screens, all these things that make it way easier to throw the ball and get chunk yardage without ever even having a possibility of being picked off. By the way, this is the difference right here. In the year 2000, Jeff Garcia, it wasn't Dante Culpepper, Jeff Garcia would have led the NFL for highest completion percentage for a quarterback who played 16 games at 63.3. That 63.3 today would put him in the last seven or eight of starting NFL quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. the so, game so, has changed. So again, the game has changed. And, and that is the problem with any Jameis Winston defender is you just you can't compare what he's doing now against what Eli did. You yeah. just oh, I'm sorry, what Peyton Manning did. Or or Eli. Or any of these guys. Brett Favre. Yeah. The I mean, again, the game has changed just in the like Eli's what is the sixteenth, seventeenth year in the year? I mean, I, I'm not joking. Go back to eight seasons ago. I bet you I mean, you don't even you don't see a single fade ball anymore. You just you just don't see that. That's not a play anymore. That was the go that was the go-to goal line passing play. Split out your biggest receiver. You see it, but not as much. You see you see the back shoulder play more often than that now where you get a big receiver out there. You don't see throw the ball up toward the corner and have a guy just jump up and get it like the Plaxico. Yeah, that was like the play. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, compare. that's the thing. Jameis Winston, oh, he's an old-school gunslinger. Cool. That doesn't work anymore. This is, I think, the proper analogy. He's an old-school gunslinger. It's being the guy in the NBA who doesn't shoot the three. Yeah. Who has the mid-range game. Yeah. DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. Dude, you got to shoot a three, man. Three's worth more than two. Yeah. I 100% agree. I mean... How many points do the Bucks score? You know, th- that you can weigh into that whole debate of like, they're, what are the Bucks? They're, what are they, seven and seven now? Yeah. He's putting up some crazy yards. Seven and seven. Yeah. If you guys want to call the Hawks. Hop- again, I, I've said this numerous times on the show. When is the last time the guy who led the league in passing won the Super Bowl? The Broncos did not win. I know Peyton Manning led it yeah. his first year in Denver. They did not win. It's probably Brady in like early 2000s. I'm going to guess like 2003. No way. In passing yards? You don't think? Because he wasn't doing that until the big season where they didn't win. You don't think? The first year he led the league in passing was the year they lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl. Let's see. Yeah, hold on. I, I'm on Pro Football Reference. No, you're right. I mean, did Breeze lead the league in passing the year they won? Man, it is tough to find. It's real tough to find. What What year did they... 
hold on, maybe it's 2006. Let's see here. Sorry, this is this is great dead air. Uh, almost in 2000. No, Drew Brees led it in 2006 when the Colts won. Let's see. Nope. The year the year the Saints won. Guess who led the NFL in passing yards? Matt Schaub. <laughs> wow, that's a dive for you guys. Matt Schaub led the NFL in passing yards. Yeah. Well, if you guys want to comment or call into the show, it's 310-359-8365. Give us some love. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Dirty Sports. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Drop an iTunes review if you leave your Twitter handle. It takes two seconds. Or Instagram handle. I will send you guys some koozies. Joey, no chill. At Joe Prano on Instagram. At Fix Your Life on Twitter. At Joe Prano on Instagram. Uh, JoePrano.com for shows. Got some, some travel coming up. Uh, we got... Uh, Tahoe again, early January, late January, Alaska, early January, the Bay Area. I think my Dirtball co-host, my Dirty Sports co-host, Andy Ruther, will be joining me again for that one. Uh, late February, Aspen and uh, Denver for Aspen Laugh Fest and hopefully some shows in the Denver, Boulder area, early March. Um, Birmingham, Alabama, potentially, and uh, then Palm Springs again. So every other week for a while here. On the road, so go to JoePrano.com if those are any of those places that you live. All right, Dirtballs. And at JoePrano on Instagram. Did I say that? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great week, and most importantly, stay dirty.